Good morning. I'm glad you're all here. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving, and uh, we're happy to see you. If it's your first time, I am not Pastor Matt. Um, I'm Mike Harrison. Sorry, you're stuck with me today, but I can promise you this. God tells us that if we share it, his word will not return void, so we'll be happy for that. Um, Today, we're going to look at a, a passage that's probably pretty familiar to most everybody. Uh, I've heard it and read it dozens and dozens of times. It's in Luke chapter 15, and it's one of the parables that Jesus gave to us. And um, this one is the parable of the lost son. Some Bibles and even some Bible translations and even some people call it the parable of the prodigal son. Same thing. Same parable. Um, And typically, I think when we look at this, we tend to put all our focus on the lost son. But I'm going to tell you today, hopefully I'll show you why I think the key player in this whole parable is the father, not the lost son. So we'll take a look at that. If you will, turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 15. We'll start with verse 11, and we'll read through this parable first. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So this father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, You are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So we find in this text 
we have three main characters, the, the lost son, the father, and the older son. But let me give you just a little bit of background. Um, Jesus has been traveling around with his ministry and teaching people. And so a lot of people are following him, and so are the Pharisees. And the Pharisees are following him not so much to hear his word, but so that they can pick apart things and accuse Jesus of different things and maybe have him thrown in jail or, or get rid of him completely. So the Pharisees are not there uh, for anything good. They're there to destroy and to break down. So this passage is actually aimed at the Pharisees. And it, it's going to, as we go through this, you'll see this is going to condemn them and chastise them for what they're doing instead of what they should be doing. Now, there's a lot of symbolism in this parable also. There's a lot of pictures, if you will. And we'll talk about those as we go through it. So let's look at this, the lost son, first of all, because that's who it speaks about first. Uh, the lost son symbolizes God's lost children or sinners. Okay? So the son, the lost son, he asked for his inheritance. He's the younger son. And this is never done in Jewish custom, ever. Um, it's not until the father passes away that they ever divide that inheritance. And so for a, for a son, and, and the way they divide it, if you have two sons, the older son gets two-thirds of the inheritance, and the younger son gets one-third, so half as much. So since it's never done, for this young son to ask his father to give me my inheritance is like saying, you know, I want out of here so badly that I wish you were dead. So why don't you just give me my portion of your inheritance, and I'll be on my way. Again, it's never done in Jewish custom, but this father does it. Okay, he has compassion on his son. He divides up his inheritance, gives his younger son his portion of that inheritance. So this is kind of a picture of God letting sinners have their own free will, going their own way. You know, he's not going to make your decisions for you. He's not going to force you to accept him and to accept his son. He's just going to let you go your own way, and he'll keep sending his Holy Spirit to speak to your heart, and hopefully one day he'll change. So the father watches his son go, and I'm sure his heart is broken, not only because of the way he left, but the fact that he's gone. So we see in the text uh, next that the son squanders everything he has in wild living. My text, the NIV says wild living. Uh, other texts say loose living. Same thing. He's just wasted everything that his father has given him. Now, this also takes place over a number of years. It's not just a few weeks or a few months. This son is gone for a number of years. So after his financial failure, then we have a natural disaster that strikes the land. It's a famine that hits the land. And he is destitute. He's hungry. Uh, he's broke, completely penniless. So he starts looking for a job. He finds work feeding pigs. For a Jewish man, this is as low as you can get. He's a Jew working for a Gentile, feeding his pigs. It doesn't get any worse. So 
he's sunk so low that he, he literally longs to eat this slop that he's feeding the pigs. And nobody gives him anything. So this is a picture of how lost a sinner truly is. Without God, he has absolutely nothing. You'd be the richest man in the world and still have absolutely nothing. So the son reflects on his condition, and he realizes that even his father's servants have it better than he has. Even my father's servants have food to eat, and I have nothing. I I can't even eat this stuff that the pigs are eating. So realizing this, this is a picture of the sinner as he realizes his desperation without God. When you're a sinner and you're outside of God's family, you are truly alone. So the young son plans to go to his father and confess his sin. Let's take a look again at verses 17 to 19. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he's willing to humble himself, go back to his father, ask for his forgiveness, confess to him, and say, I know I'm not even worthy to be your son, so just let me be one of your hired men so at least I can have something to eat. Again, a picture of the sinner who is willing to humble himself, get on his knees before God, confess his sins, ask for forgiveness. Again, it's just as, as about as alone as you can get. But the good news is this son has a father. So do we. A loving father. So let's take a look. The son comes home. And we'll see how the father reacts to him. The father obviously symbolizes God the father. So his reaction, the father's reaction says it all. If we continue on in verse 20. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. So that's exactly how God reacts when a sinner comes home. When his lost child decides to humble himself and come home, confess his sins, ask for forgiveness, that's exactly what God does. He's ecstatic. He just can't stand it. He's beside himself, crazy with joy, if you will, because his child has come home. So picture this father seeing his lost son way off in the distance. And again, very, very unlike a Jewish man, he hikes up that tunic and runs to meet his son. No Jewish father is going to greet a rebellious son this way. But this father does because he's a picture of God. And that's how God greets us. He's overjoyed. 
And when he's overjoyed and he rejoices, when you came to know Jesus, they celebrated in heaven. God said, we're going to have a party because one of my children is home. You know, and that's how much he loves us. As Max Lucado said, if God had a wallet, your picture would be in it. Now, I don't know how that makes you feel. It makes me feel pretty good to know that my father is going to carry my picture. This passage also shows that this father was waiting and watching, hoping that his son would come home because it says he saw him a long way off. I believe he was probably looking for him every single day from the day that he left, hoping that he would come home. And so after years of doing this, when he sees him, of course he's just going to be absolutely beside himself. So the son confesses, tells his father he's content to be one of his slaves. But the father is so overjoyed, it doesn't matter to him. He said, nope, we're going to celebrate. So he tells the servants to bring the best robe, a ring for his finger, and sandals for his feet. Now these are symbolic also. I believe the robe is symbolic of being clothed with God's incredible righteousness. The ring that he puts on his finger is a signet ring, and it shows authority. So he's not going to let him be one of his hired hands. He's going to restore him to the full authority that he had as his son before. Complete forgiveness. And finally, the sandals. Only the family wore sandals. Servants didn't wear sandals. And so when he gives him those sandals, he's saying, Welcome back. Welcome back to the family. All is forgiven. Your home, that's what we care about. And above all that, a fattened calf was slain to rejoice and to celebrate for him. Now, fattened calf was reserved for very, very special occasions. Feasts like the Day of Atonement, things like that. And so when that father says, bring that fattened calf, we're going to slay this thing and and have food and, and celebrate, he's telling everybody this is a very special occasion because my son has returned. And that's what God's grace does for us. Completely restores us. This son was destitute. He has gone from complete destitution to complete restoration. God's grace does that for us, restores us fully as his child and adopts us into his family. So then we take a look at the older son. He symbolizes the Pharisees that Jesus is actually talking to. This whole passage is aimed at these Pharisees to show them what they're missing by being so so nitpicky and and trying to live so much by the law and condemning other people for not being able to do it. He's telling them, you're missing the best thing of all. You're missing the love that God has, not only for you, 
but also for everyone else. They're more concerned with their image than they are with taking care of people, loving people. So they're hypocrites. They can't even abide by this law, and yet they're chastising other people for not abiding by it. So the older son's been working in the fields. He comes home, and he hears music and dancing. And he gets one of the servants, and he says, what's going on? The servant says, well, your brother, he's home. He says, and your father's rejoicing. He's killed the fattened calf, and we're going to have a party. We're going to celebrate because he was lost, and now he's found. So the older son is absolutely beside himself. He's outraged, and he refuses to go in and join the party and join the celebration. So the great irony here is that the one who was on the outside is now on the inside. And the one who for all this time has been on the inside is now on the outside. Jesus is reminding the Pharisees of his very words, the last shall be first and the first shall be last. So don't try to puff yourself up and make yourself more important than you are. So the father comes out, talks to the older brother, tries to reason with him calm him down a little bit and get him to come in and join the party. But the older son pleads his faithfulness to his father, even though he's never had a celebration himself. So let's take a look at verse 29. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. So if a fattened calf is reserved for very special occasions, obviously it's a lot more valuable than even a kid goat. And so what the son is saying is, I don't get it. I've been here all this time. I've abided by all your commandments. I've taken care of your property. I have never once gone against you. And yet, this son of yours who squandered his inheritance, his portion of the inheritance with wild living, he comes home. You give him prime steak. In today's terms, you give him prime steak. You never even offered me a happy meal. Honestly, I don't get it. So the father says, He acknowledges that all he has already belongs to the older son. There's no reason for jealousy. Again, a little shot at the Pharisees. Pharisees, I think, are jealous because Jesus hasn't really given them the acknowledgement that they think they deserve. But it's because they're sanctimonious and self-righteous and hypocritical. So the father tells the older son, don't you understand? We had to celebrate. We had to be glad. And if you notice, the the older son said, this son of yours, as if he's just disowning himself from his brother. He didn't say, my brother comes home. He said, this son of yours. So now the father turns it right back around on him and says, we had to celebrate. 
because this brother of yours has come home. He was dead and now he's alive. He was lost and now he's found. So of course we're going to celebrate. So this is a spiritual picture of the sinner who comes home to the father through his faith in Jesus. And God says, we're going to celebrate. We're going to have a party because our lost child has been found. So the parable was really, as I said before, it was aimed at chastising the Pharisees. But for us, it's the perfect picture of what happens when as sinners we come back to God and get on our knees and say, I've sinned. I'm sorry. Forgive me. God says, absolutely. All is forgiven. When you repent, you are restored completely to God. And he gives you this perfect gift of salvation, the gift of eternal life, the gift that Jesus died for. But like any gift, it does you absolutely no good unless you accept it. It can be the greatest gift in the world, and this one truly is. But if you don't accept it, it doesn't do you any good. So that's what God wants. That's what he's hoping, watching, and waiting for, is for you to come home and accept it. If you haven't accepted this gift yet, let me ask you this. Don't you think it's time to come home? God is waiting just for you to come home. If you want to know how to do that, you come talk to me after the service. Let's pray. Father, we are truly grateful for this wonderful gift, the gift of salvation, the gift that Jesus has given us by his death on the cross. And in this time that we celebrate all that we have to be thankful for, we're especially grateful that we can come to you, that we can ask your forgiveness, confess our sins, and you will gladly forgive us. You will gladly welcome us home with open arms. And Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here that hasn't accepted this gift, that they will take the opportunity today as we prepare for a season in which we do this, which we give lots of gifts, we are reminded that the one who loves us the most has given us his very best. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.